Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about organized chaos, living in chaos, getting out of the chaos. It's just going to be chaotic. So guys, if you're listening to this, make sure you smash that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. But guys, this is going to be a fun episode. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, I was in the health and fitness industry for 30 years. I love coffee and I love pre-workouts. So we made our own pre-workout coffee. Vertical Momentum Coffee, twice the amount of caffeine of any other coffee out there. Make sure you pick it up. And I also want to thank our sponsors, OVF, Operation Veteran Freedom. If you're a veteran want to start a company, make sure you check out OVF. We will help you. So this is my brother. I'm actually so honored and blessed to call him a friend. He's actually allowing me to be on one of his stages and talk about what I love talking about. And I can't wait. So, my brother, what's going on today and how are you doing today? Oh, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. It's uh, it's a little chilly up in Canada. We got a snow dump. Uh, the, the weather decided it didn't want to give us uh, the spring uh, rain. It wanted to give us spring snowfall. So we were shoveling and getting energized out in the cold this morning, but just excited to be here, Richard. I really appreciate you having me on your platform and uh, just having this opportunity. I love it, brother. Um, I'm so, like I said, I'm just so blessed and grateful. So what is one myth about chaos that people think? Uh, I think chaos can, you know, chaos causes just the word itself can cause anxiety in people just direct, right? I, I think there's a lot of confusion around what chaos is. And the reality is, in my opinion, we have chaos is something that's happening all around us. There, it's always happening. Um, you know, whether it's thoughts in our head that are scrambling around and creating the chaos between, you know, past and present, our past and future moments where we're kind of, our head is creating um, the chaos or, we're in a chaotic environment, right? Like you could be in a mall around hundreds of people. You could be at a football stadium with thousands of people all around you and screaming, you know, like there's good chaos and then there's bad chaos. But my, my biggest thing is it's not about eliminating chaos. It's finding the calm within it. And I think you said something extremely important to me off air and just said, you're around a brotherhood that actually thrives within chaos. That's where you guys find the calm. And to be honest with you, that's the key in all of this is to be able to train yourself to slide into the calm within that chaos. Because if you can feel the comfort, even though parts are moving around you, right? Like, let's say you're standing in the middle of a street and there's cars going left and right, left and right, left and right. If you panic, you're going to be in big trouble, right? So yeah. little children, you take them to a crosswalk, you got to hold their hand because kids might panic not being used to that style of chaos and they might just run themselves right into the problem, right? Which is right into the cars, right into the traffic. Whereas once you gain the experience and the understanding of what that chaos is, you can find the calm within it and then you don't take irrational like actions, you know, to um, you, you start to hone in and really understand. Uh, I can tell you as a 
as a former cook working in a line, you get, you know, a restaurant gets filled up with 50 to 80 tables. There's one cook in the back that's in charge of all those plates that come out. There's a level of chaos that has to happen. There's a level of timing that has to come in to let all of those meals be prepped by, you know, 5, 10, 15 different people that are cooking. But one person has to organize it to come all together at one spot. So there's a calm within that person's chaos to be able to provide that um, level of professionalism at that moment, right? Like to get those meals out on time, you have to bring yourself in. Uh, and that's something that I witnessed. Um, I also grew up around professional athletes and there's a lot of chaos, but they are all trained and honed in on a certain mindset. And that brings your focus line into, you know, controlling the environment. And I'm not say controlling, but having comfort in the environment that is creating that chaos for you. Now, like, I, you know, I was in the military for over 23 years. Um, I, I did fine dining for many years. Um, I've been in, you know, a lot of different, you know, um, athletics. And I find that the people that can survive or thrive in chaos also crash and burn really quick after the chaos. Like I know a lot of, uh, you know, cooks, they don't have a long shelf life. You know, they're, 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 they're there for a couple of years and then they, they burn out. So how does a person, and I, of course we're going to hop in your story, but so, but how does a person that's like myself, you know, 23 years in the military, I talked to a lot of guys in Navy SEALs, um, you know, they go through the chaos and then it's the downtime is the problems where they start having problems when there, when there is no chaos except for in their minds. Right. So I think that's one of the key things. We get trained how to calm ourselves within it, but not how to deal with ourselves when we're not around it. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is, is when we don't have chaos, it actually creates more of a problem. And if you think about the training that and the levels of all these different areas, it comes in when there's mass chaos, mass tensions, um, high stress situations, right? And your body gets accumulate, like it gets used to that situation. And you've trained yourself to live in that situation. Your mentors, your leadership, it trains you to live within that environment. And then certain people accelerate within it and certain people don't. So they actually have to pull them and rein them in a little bit because they're going to endanger themselves, you know, getting into certain levels. And, and this goes in, in a lot of areas that take us to chaos. But I think the part that gets missed out on and I, I always uh I always kind of return now back. I've done so much reflection and transformation over the last few years, but there was a moment in my childhood and my grandmother, she used to tell me that she used, she prays for me every night. And I had no idea why she kept telling me this. And every time I got to see her, she'd tell me this. And I was like, you know, just in my head, like being five-year-old, six-year-old, 10-year-old Jay didn't understand why grandma was telling me that she was praying for me every night. This last year, I think I figured that part out. I was so busy up here. I was so busy trying to impress people by 
you know, doing different things to get attention, whether it was trying to be elite at a sport, whether it was doing risky things, right? Like living within a chaotic situation, but being very good at it. So you stand out because there's not a lot of people that can get to that level and be able to handle it, right? Like there's a lot of, and I think you can probably attest to that in the military, there's a lot of pressure put on you in um, a training per se, where in that training, you get overloaded on the stress because they need to see how we're going to handle it once we get to the real situation, right? And now just take that and go back into your own household. Well, my parents split when I was one. And my mom went, um, she went and kind of did her own thing for the first little bit. And I didn't have that dual parent. I didn't have that kind of reach. And not that it affected me right away, but as I started growing and people started questioning if it was a problem, you know, it started to create a lot of chaos within me. And to say, how do you, how do, how do you now calm yourself or c- control when you come out of the chaos? This is something that I think I've been working on my whole life, Richard. And this is exactly it. I've been working my whole life on this moment of, and this is what I've discovered in the last couple of years is, you got to calm within the chaos. And then when we remove ourselves, that same amount of level that we can calm, we can also calm ourselves. Because the chaos level is no different whether we're in the battle or we're in our head. The body's feeling it the same. Your mind's taking it on the same. So now we have to train ourselves just in a little different vision right like the lining of it you're not in the midst of um physical chaos it's more of an internal chaos right and now we need to draw how do we calm internal chaos well the only way that you can calm internal chaos is by being present all right so then i got a question because you know your dad played pro ball and for me i'm a sports geek i love sports I love the whole mental aspect of sports. And for some people, when the moment is big is when they shrink. And then there's some people when the moment is big is when they get bigger and they are able to take it to the next level. What is the difference, the mental difference between the people that excel in a stress point or the people that shrink in a stress point? Uh, Your environment and your self-belief. So you can look at all pro teams, right? Let's let's just look at the NFL because majority of people are going to know the NFL. Um, But look at your top teams to the bottom teams. Those are all professional athletes. Skill level is probably not that far off, regardless of what media and everything draws out. If you put man to man, physical statures, abilities and all that, there can't be a massive difference between team number one and team 32, you know, or, or 20 something. The reality is, is the skill level is very close, but The kicker is, is it's that circle, the environment. So your leadership, your mentorship, right? 
has allowed a certain frame of calm, right? They structure their practices. So by the time those stressful moments in a game show up, they're playing at a more of an elite level, right? You have more players playing on that elite level. And, and the elite level is truly, it's that belief within yourself that you won't give up. It's the belief in yourself that failure, it happens. But right now you're going to live in that moment and you're going to create the best thing that you can right in that moment, right? So you're performing at your highest level because it's okay to fail. You're going to figure out a lesson out of how you failed. Like if you listen to some of the best, right away they congratulate the opposite opponent for being the better team at that moment. And it's sometimes it has nothing to do with skill level. It has everything to do with the way they prepared for it. Because our belief within ourselves is the strongest thing. You, that's how you get those underdog and the huge March Madness just happened. How many upsets? You know, there was the Cinderella team. I can't remember which uh, team ran through and got into the final four. But they won game one based on we had nothing to lose. So they just went out and gave her their all. And then all of a sudden they beat one of the best teams in the whole tournament. Well, now they had a belief that if we just beat one of the best teams in the country we should be able to beat the rest of the string. And they went and did it until they got to the final four. Because then at that point, there's no, they didn't have enough preparation for that moment. Because that moment got too big. Right? Like if you look at kind of their season, they wouldn't have that style of game, that, that amount of pressure. You know, and, and I love that. And like one of our, our viewers, Colin, says, you know, mentality plays key to our to our, you know, to humans. And but I think that, you know, like I'm, I was a big bodybuilding guy when I was growing up. And I think that when you have the mentality of, you know, I'm going to win, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, you know, I'm going to work out for the whole year. And then when I go for the Mr. Olympia, I just got to go pick up my trophy because he's he already had that mental picture. He, you know, he thought about it. He, you know, that's all he thought about. And, you know, like, I think the mind really hasn't changed in the last hundred years. And Mr. Dale Carnegie once said that, you know, what your obsessions become your possessions. Mm. So I think that if people, you know, if you want to succeed, you know, you have to have a successful mindset in my opinion you know because like one of my mentors mr ed mylett he always talks about the mind and the reticulator activating system in the brain that whatever you see is what your mind's going to start looking for so if you see you know success in your life if you see prosperity that's what you're going to find but if you see negativeness and if you see yourself losing that's what you're going to find also right yeah it's Basically, if you can think it, you're going to do it, right? So if you think you're going to lose, well, you probably lost already because you didn't give yourself the belief, you know, within. And 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 I think, you know, there's there's a little bit of a realization where there's the David and Goliath stories, right? Where you do have the extreme opposites and there is an overcome, but there is also a realization that, you know, a 20-year-old man, if they were to go head-to-head in hockey against a five-year-old kid, there's a little bit of a reality, you know, that regardless of what the belief in that five-year-old, there's a really small chance that they're going to have the skill level 
the size, you know, and, and the and the experience to be able to play at the level of a 20-year-old. It's just, it's not going to happen. Uh, you're obviously going to have those odd phenomenons, but the, the reality is, is 99.9% .9 of the time, you know, if you have two even people, the, the, the belief system is what's going to take over. It, it's the belief within ourselves that we can achieve uh, whatever it is. I know football-wise, all my coaches, my dad, um, you know, it was visualize an attack. Go to go to the Water Boy, the movie. It's visualize an attack, visualize an attack, visualize an attack. And that's what they, they want you to envision what you're about to do. So you study game film. You go repetitively over game film, over game film, over game film to study because the second a running back or a receiver does a certain thing, you already know what play is going to happen. Right? You've prepared for that moment. So your belief within, you know, this happens, you already know what happens. Right? So you're stepping into that hole and it's like, well, how did they know, um, you know, what the play was? Because somebody in that formation does something every time that play happens and it triggered the whole defense to realize what play that was. And it's just based on preparation. And I love that, you know, because like I used to be a poker player and I would, I love to be able to read people and be able to, you know, watch their eyes or watch their movement and be like, yeah, they're either they, you could tell either they got a bomb on their, in their hands or they're just bluffing. And I think that's one of the skills I think that people really need to learn is sometimes just sitting back and taking that 3000 foot view and just watching everything before you say anything. Like I'm a lurker, you know, like if I join somebody's group, I'm going to lurk for a couple of weeks. I'm going to watch people. I'm going to see who's real, who's not real. And I think, I think that's a, it's a forgotten skill that I think really needs to be taught in life and in business, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I fully agree. I, I think, uh, you, you do have to, you have to observe and you have to understand. You can't just go into everything blind and think you're going to have success all the time. Right. And, and be able to achieve. There has to be that will and that belief that you can put yourself in situations, but that's based on preparation, right? Like past preparation, you've already prepared yourself for these moments. It's the same as we were talking earlier, preparing yourself for chaos. You get trained to be able to stay calm within those situations. There's not a lot of people that have it naturally. I don't think any of us are born with it natural. It's the environment that creates the calm within that. So what was it like growing up with a dad that played professional sports? Did dad put a lot of pressure on you to perform? Because I, I found that I've talked to a lot of people that whether their father was a a military man or whatever they were doing, it kind of gave the ch a child a little bit pressure. And a lot of them came down with imposter syndrome because they're like, well, I, I can't live up to him. So I'm not going to be able to do, do be me. And they kind of just quit. So what was it like growing up a son of a professional athlete? At the time, I loved every ounce of the pressure. Because the environment that I grew up in uh, was awesome. Dad was part of uh, a, a fitness club. So we had about 13 different sports that I could play at any time. And, you know, that's where I didn't go to babysitters. I went to the club. 
and I played racquetball, handball, squash, badminton, basketball, soccer, worked out. And like the list goes on to what I was able to do, not to mention I played hockey, football, um, soccer, and different things outside of the club. Um, I was just constantly active. I was constantly running. I was constantly doing that stuff. So that environment uh, gave me the ability to practice uh, and be around people. The Canadian National Women's Volleyball Team trained at that place. Uh, WWE uh, wrestling, every time it was in town, they always went and worked out there. Um, the professional football team in town, uh, uh, the Regina Rough, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, they all trained, a lot of them trained there. Uh, based on, you know, their alumni owned the club or players owned the club. So, you know, they're, so I guess to answer your question, I was around a lot of professional athletes and I got to watch them train themselves. So you got to see the desire and the passion that went into every exercise. So when they went down to bench press, you could see people swarm and encourage the bench. And then they go off and do their own thing. And then they'd come up and team up when there was a big thing happening and they would encourage each other and cheer each other on. And that camaraderie really would gain. Right. And I, I think that's something that anybody that I know in the military, that's something that's very key too. It's you get that camaraderie, you get that team, that, that uh, connection built. And now all of a sudden you feel way bigger than you actually are because you're supported. That belief system just rises up. In, inside of you and the energy outside of you right so I got to witness all of that so um belief within myself my biggest struggle to be honest with you Richard is is and was understanding why people didn't feel the way I did I felt the way professional athletes did as a five-year-old and 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 I say in the in the high energy, the um, belief system in myself. And then I'd go and hang out with some kids and they're like, well, I can't get across that monkey bars. Well, I can't do this. And it's, I can't everything. And I'm like, I don't understand. Cause you can like, you, I I've seen you do it before. Like you, you start to like wonder why. And, and it got to the point where I was hearing kids and I was hearing adults all challenge themselves that they can't actually accomplish something. And I'm like, but you can. I, I couldn't understand why people couldn't believe in themselves because I had like a thousand percent belief in myself. And it was because I was around that type of enthusiasm constantly, that belief system, because they're trained. Like you don't knock each other. You want to lift each other up. Right. So um, being around that got me to feel that. But then when I was around, you know, other people that are not professional athletes, don't have that level of belief within themselves as a child it confused me incredibly i'll be in so honest and it took me 30 some years to figure that out now if somebody was going to hop on here and they would splice this right now and see what we're talking about with, with you working with professional athletes and that and then what you're doing today you know they were like all right i can see how he's succeeded but a lot of people don't realize there was 20 years where you're struggling with depression. You were struggling with a lot of things. So talk to us a little bit about that and how you became the man you are today. Yeah. So like I said, at the start, my parents had split up when I was one and uh, things were fine. I, I mean, 
when I really look back as a kid, confidence level, there was some diff disappointing moments uh, for sure, just with the battle between the parents and things like that. And you get stuck in the middle as a kid. But, you know, I grew up with my dad and he was a professional athlete. So a little boy was kind of in his dream, uh, to be honest, uh, like as much as it sucked not to have my mom around, I don't think it affected me as much as other people thought it did. Um, but that also began to affect me as I got older because people would start asking you if you're okay. And eventually I started to just lie because I wasn't okay, but they were asking the wrong okay part. And then my dad had gotten married. Um, and obviously his focus, I'm older, I'm more independent. Um, their focus changed a little bit and he kind of reined off a little bit of, and she wanted to take control of the grounding and just different things that were happening around the house. And I felt an ounce of, well, quite a few ounces of just kind of being dropped again. It was like my mom dropped me. Now my dad's kind of backing away and my stepmom was stepping up to, you know, put the foot down and I rejected it all. I, uh, you know, as much as people thought I had my professional, like I was going to play pro football and all this thing, you know, people are talking about it all the time. And I was confident as all could be that it was going to happen. But the realization is I wasn't putting the work in. I was just gifted. I was, you know, everybody told me I was gifted. I don't believe you are gifted. I believe you train. You just don't realize you've put the training in when you were two and three years old. Uh, like kids that are running around young, they continue to run around when they're old. The kids that aren't doing much when they're young, that's their normal. And they have to work on, you know, being more active as they get older. They, so my thing was, I started to feel that break at, you know, 14, 15 years old, had a huge, my mom moved back into the area in uh, my teenage years. And there was an option, obviously, that was close. And when I turned 16 years old and me and my dad butted heads one more time, I ran away. And I ran, lived with a girlfriend for the last two months of that school year, moved out with my mom. And that's when I kind of decided I was going to blame her for wrecking my life when it really wasn't wrecked uh, at all. I was just now being able to use and abuse my parents' situation and uh, become that little little ass of a kid that you know was now just stirring up stuff because i had so much going on and i was so confused and i just didn't feel supported at that moment whether i know hundreds of people supported me at that moment but it's amazing what our heads can generate and uh i ran away i got into alcohol i got into smoking and i pretty much just did whatever i wanted and didn't want to listen to anybody I was completely destructive. I ended up getting a criminal record, uh, DUIs. I had a dangerous driving causing bodily harm at 19. I um, Then I eventually, two years later, I lost my license to a DUI for a year. Thought that would straighten me up, and it didn't. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, the chaos began. I was just stuck in alcohol and thinking that that was going to be, everybody liked Bubbly J. So as long as I stayed bubbly, people didn't realize I had a problem. And, uh, you know, I, I got to be bubbly Jay and pretend that I didn't have a problem. 
And the unfortunate part is, is you can't, you can't pretend for that long. It eats up inside of you and it starts to tear you down inside because we, we, we're not all, we're not all actors, right? And we can't be actors 24 seven. That's a job. And that's a piece of somebody's life that can't be your life. You can't be faking it. Um, you have to live your life. And I faked it. I literally, I faked it for so long that I just started getting myself in more trouble and dug myself more of a hole. And then when I didn't know where to go and I didn't, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how, how to express it to my friends because my friends were looking up to me because I was such a good athlete. I was just good at everything. And here I'm looking at them going, well, shit, I don't have anything figured out. I don't know how to make money properly. I don't know how to save money properly. I don't know how to, I don't clean. I don't, you know, I just, I didn't do anything. I didn't have the self-respect or love for myself to do anything. I just kind of threw it all into everybody likes bubbly J's. So I'll just drink. And I drank a lot. And at about 27, I got into smoking uh, marijuana. And that was something that brought me down. But I also got into a hermit mode. So you never got into the league, right? No, no, it was, I started drinking too early and smoking and thinking I could go all the way. And the fact is I got to junior football and uh, got into conflict with my coach and he didn't like me. And I used that as an excuse that somebody else was not going to back me and I could run away from football and even dig in deeper to booze and, and drugs and everything else and start exploring my disastrous of a life when I was only 20 years old. The problem with that is at 20 years old, I then lived another 17 years after that, Richard, in in substance, in depression, in anxiety, in like hermit mode. Like I stuck at myself in the basement and played video games because it was the only place that I felt, you know, value I, I and then i could drink and go out and see everybody and they'd be like oh here's bubbly jay and you know everything's hunky-dory and oh jay must be doing awesome he's got a big smile on his face he's happy and then you could go home and start pounding the drinks and disappear into that and it continued and continued and i can luckily say that i met my wife and she was at uh a place in her life where she was trying to calm the chaos. She works on the financial field and she'd gotten into yoga to try and calm that chaos. And I found that intriguing. So then it was like, I didn't jump into it, but as you said, you get into an area and you kind of observe, right? And I literally observed what she was trying to do for years and started to realize, Oh, well, if you want to go meditate, there's so many different ways to see that. So you can go out fishing. You can go sit on the shoreline of a river, of an ocean, of a lake, and watch the water. And that's a form of meditation. You can lay in the night and look up into the stars and just be, right? And what I realized was there was a lot of things that I had in life that I did that were so successful to calm me, but I wasn't actually being aware of them. To like rebring them back into my life. I wasn't becoming aware. I just, when I was in those environments, I'd be drawn into it. So like my grandparents lived at the lake. Every time I went out there, my stress level dropped. 
and I hung out at the water all the time. I laid in a hammock and I stared out in the water all the time and they could find me there by myself all the time. And I was happy as could be because I was drawn to the water. I was drawn to the peace that just mother nature could bring me. You know, and I love that. You know, one of the, one of the supporters of our show is um, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, he has DDP yoga and, uh, and, like like he says, you know, DTP yoga is not your mother's yoga or grandmother's yoga. But I think there's something to say about, you know, whether it's just sitting in peace or meditating. Like for me, one of my friend John McCaskill is, is a retired Navy SEAL commander. He taught me, you know, just take the first 15 minutes of your day. Don't pick up your phone. You know, don't watch TV. Just be. You know, even if it's just maybe 15 minutes of gratitude, you know, 15 minutes of silence. And for me, if I don't have that, even if it's five, 10 minutes of silence and, you know, get thankful, being having gratitude, my whole day seems chaotic. If it's not, even if it's just for that five minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and so what they've realized is I follow a a neuroscientist and and follow his... uh, podcast andrew huberman and he's really broken it down and i've started to understand our body uh more intensely and 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 better and uh he he taught me just uh how to control that chaos in a little different way but understand how our body's processing things so like if your eyebrow raises that's a chemical reaction inside your body right it's doing something as a chemical reaction. So everything that our bodies are doing and craving is based on chemical. We then attach it to something on the physical world. So like, let's just say your body's looking for dopamine. There's so many different ways to get dopamine. You can go into a cold shower. You can eat a chocolate bar. You know, there's certain foods, vegetables that you can eat that are high in, in, in dopamine. There's all these different, you know, avenues that we can go. There's drugs that take us to dope, high intense dopamines. There's all this stuff, right? But your body doesn't know if it's cocaine, a vegetable, um, you know, an intense situation, cold water. It doesn't know what it is. It just knows that that, that drug inside of us got released. We relate it to something. So when our body feels good, we on the outside then relate it to something. And when I started to understand that literally everything we're doing, our body's trying to translate how to get that again. So you have to be really mindful when you're feeling something and be aware of what your body's feeling. Um, I can give you a prime example of a little bit of the beginnings of an addiction. And it was with our two-year-old son. He doesn't get a lot of chocolate. He loves chocolate, loves it. Really intense kid, pushes his limits. Christmas time, you get an advent calendar. 25 days to Christmas, you poke the hole in it, you grab your chocolate out every single day, right? By day 20, he was addicted to chocolate. And the reason I understand that is the addiction comes when the second you awake from a nap, it's the first thing that comes to your mind. It's what your body's craving. So when he'd wake up from a nap, well, he'd wake up first thing from sleeping in the morning. The first thing that came out of his mouth, Richard, was chocolate. Chocolate. 
it took 20 days for that to happen. We rained them off of it a little bit. So it wasn't every day. He didn't have that craving anymore. It took us about seven to eight days to get him off of that waking up right off the hop in, in, in a nap or in, in the morning. And he wasn't asking for chocolate anymore. But it took us about eight days to pull him off of that. But he'd wake up and it was like instant craving. And for me, you know, like I'm a 53-year-old guy. And now I read a book by Mr. Grant Cardone, uh, 10X. And he well, talks about, um, you know, that once you realize that everything you do from this point on is your fault, and once you start taking ownership of whatever you do is when your life really changes. So if, if I start acting out in a certain way, as soon as I start doing it, I start thinking, okay, why am I acting out? What's causing me? What's triggering me to act this way? And I think that's something I think we really need to learn are, you know, what are our triggers? Because I, you know, I've been clean now 33 years. Uh, I struggle with addiction, drugs. But if you go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting, they're drinking gallons of coffee, donuts, you know, um, cookies, because it all is the same, same thing. It's, you know, sugar, you know, is the same thing as alcohol and yeah. it's an addiction. Yeah. So you know, a lot of people don't realize that until you start becoming a little bit more self-aware of, well, why am I reaching for that cookie? I really don't want the cookie. There's something that's making me reach out to that, for that cookie. You know what I mean? That's, that, that, I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly it. It's and, and we are addictive. Like humans are addictive personalities. We all are. We're addicted to self-development, growth, you know, being in a certain state. Like we crave things. Our body craves a chemical reaction. That's the addiction, right? You can be addicted to happiness, right? That's a great addiction to have, happiness. But the reason you're addicted to it is because the feeling your body comes up and you became aware of it. The kicker when a drug happens is a drug comes in and like there's an instant overwhelm, which brings you straight to that focus. It's hard to focus on anything else other than what just happened to your body when a drug or alcohol comes into it. Whereas if it's another state, something that we don't typically talk about, like happiness, you know, joy, um, just being, we, we can be addicted to those feelings, but a lot of people don't talk about it. It's not something that's generally talked about. So then it doesn't become the, the, the normal or the top conversation. So then there's not a lot of relation to that directly. And, and we get that confusion and, and there, then there's that misunderstanding. But like, if you truly look at it, I love the way you were saying that is your body's just looking for a chemical reaction. It doesn't care how it's getting it. So we can go to the meetings, but if you're crushing coffee and donuts the whole time, you've just swapped the addiction. So yeah. the recovery part is really freaking hard because you just swapped an addiction. You didn't actually understand where the addiction came from to then be aware of it, right? And that's where it gets really tough because now you're battling because you, at the end of the day, when I said at the start to be calm, like to calm the chaos, the only way to stop, and I just read this book by Eckhart Tolle and it was called A New Earth. And what I loved about it was it gave me the definition between ego and pain body. 
and your pain body is all your past traumas. So your pain body only speaks in negative. It can't say a single positive thing. So these are like the two voices in our head, right? And pain body will sit there and say something negative, but then your, your ego could also jump in and try and defend you. So then these get into this alter, you know, conversation that's happening and you have, and you're not even a part of your own conversation. You're kind of just witnessing a conversation going on within. And it's a lot, it's relatable stuff of a past experience. The only way to eliminate pain, body, and ego is to become present, is to be, to be aware. And, and once we are aware of right now, nothing actually affects you because in the now you can create anything. You know, and, I'm, and I'm just, as you're talking, I'm like, man, you know, I, I think about that a lot. And I, I just went back to a, a, a Bible scripture. It said, take captive every thought that you have. Um, because, you know, your mind will lie to you. Your mind will lie to you. Your mind will tell you you're not good enough. You know, somebody might have said something to you when you were a child. Like my mother told me I had two left hands. So when I grew up, I figured I'm not going to try to fix anything. Obviously, if my mother said it then I, it must be true. So, you know, I'm not going to even try. And I think, you know, I, I'm an, I am an old guy. So, you know, sometimes when I talk about taking the tapes out of the VCR, uh, sometimes you got to take those tapes or DVRs out and replace that old talk with new self-talk. And mm -hmm. I think we need to talk about that. Like I read a book by, it's called, I think, From Orphan to Billionaire. And he talked about, you know, you should tell yourself five positive things at least 20 to 30 times a day and it'll change your life. And it did change mine. Like my five are, and I'm not afraid to say, I'm okay. I'm good enough. Um, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm whole. I'm changing millions of lives. And I say these, you know, at least 30, 40 times a day. So that self-talk eventually is going to drown out that hurt talk like you're talking about. Yeah, it's well, it, it comes down to you're reprogramming yourself, right? So you were programmed to think you had two left hands for years and years and years, which then you ground that programming in even and drove it into a freeway because you believed it. So yeah. once you believed it, now you accepted it. And that was a consistent thought. Once it's a consistent thought, your body craves that thought. Because that's an addiction towards lack of belief, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all chemicals. Your body's reacting based on chemicals. Those thoughts create chemicals. And so, so if somebody's listening to this, like for me, my as I got older, my addiction became learning. Um, I have eight books going at all times, two or three audio books going. Uh, so that's my addiction now. So how do we, you know, because I love talking about NLP and all that stuff. So how does a person change those old tapes and put in new ones? One piece at a time. So start with something really small. I, I like to start with how do we start our day, right? How, how do you start your day is huge. Uh, you said one of those points already. Don't get into technology. Leave your phone, the TV, leave all that. And the reason why... Um, I, I love this 
is imagine waking up and the first thing you see on your scroll is somebody passed away or, you know, tragedy happens in the news, right? A lot of our news is what is happening. So it's not a lot of the good. It's a lot of what's, what's bad's happening, right? And it can spur you, you know, and change your day just by one read, you know, looking at something. So I encourage people to go 30 minutes without picking up technology and allowing themselves to set their own personal intention. What do you want to feel like? And what do you want to achieve today? Some people do like a gratitude. They'll just write it down. They'll just kind of dump their thoughts on a piece of paper. They'll create a list of how they want to feel that day. I do a morning meditation. It takes us 10 minutes in my group. And uh, it's setting an intention. It's a daily intention. And I'll tell you that it changed my life. Because every morning, let's say this morning uh, or yesterday is a great example of my intention was just love. I am love. And the whole day goes on and you don't really see too much, but I'm just, I'm feeling love. I'm just accepting it from wherever it's coming from. And my daughter comes home from school and she goes to give me this Easter card. And she goes, well, I don't, I don't know where this came from, dad. I didn't draw it. My friends didn't draw it. Well, she had like this rainbow colored heart up in the corner of the card for me. And I was like, well, who put the heart there? But my intention for the day was to feel love, to be love. So I didn't have to ask. That was just a symbol that was put there for me to understand that that was coming to me all day. By providing that intention of me putting that vision out, that ask to the world, I was living out love as an intention. So the energies that I was pushing out, the vibe that I was pushing out to people around me was all based around love. So if you can set the intention of how do you want to feel for your day, you personally, not what does your husband or your wife want you to feel, not as what does mom and dad want you to feel, not does what your brother or sister want you to feel, not what your boss at work wants you to feel. What do you want to feel? And what do you want to accomplish in that day? And once you set your own intention, even if you picked up your social media 30 minutes later and all of a sudden there's a tragedy happens, your intention overpowers that tragedy. Because you've ingrained that into yourself of how you want your day to play out. So not that the trauma or that tragedy doesn't affect you, but it doesn't take over you for the day. And I love that. And, uh, you know, I'm listening to a book, uh, audio book. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he talks about, you know, story brand. And he talks about how once in a, once in a while we should write our eulogy to actually to help center us of where we want to go and where we're heading. And I just got a book in the mail today. Thank God. Uh, by one of my mentors, name is Mr. John Lee Dumas. And he talks about, um, it's, a, it's a book, a hundred day journal of hitting your goals. And he said, you know, well, the first thing you need to do in the morning is do your gratitude. And also write down, like you said, write down your intention. 
for today. Because, you know, if you, for me, like me, me and you were going back and forth on Messenger and all that. If I don't have a, something on my calendar, I can't function. I'm a calendar guy. You know, I need to have everything this way, this way, this way. And I think a lot of people, you know, like uh, what's his name? Uh, James Clear wrote the book Atomic Habits. Yeah, like that. He talks about how, you know, 40% of your day is just habit. So yeah. if you want to change your life, change your habits. Right? Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. It, yeah. So habit also kind of lines me up with, uh, I, I believe we live a lot. We live 95% of our life is lived in the subconscious. So your subconscious is your programming. And we were talking about that earlier. Now the way to get out of that is to be aware or to be present. Now we only live about 5% of our day in the present moment. And this is an average, right? So if you can imagine even shifting that just slightly to become more present, you're going to create a new habit. So let's say stress is a habit that you have in your life. You have a habit of stressing over things. Well, when you bring in stressors, let's try and be aware of the present moment. Right. So a lot of the things that I talk about in calming the chaos is how do we get back to this present moment so that we can create the new habit? Because once you have an open mind, your clarity comes to you like nothing. Do you have those experiences? All the time. And right? it happened to me the other day. I don't, I don't remember because, like I said, I got eight or ten books going at one time and it jumped off the page at me. It said your past does not exist anymore. And so many people live in the past that they're pissing all over their future. And I think it was that really hit me that, you know, it's kind of like if you had a house and you don't live there anymore, why are you worried about the people that are living in that house? You know what I mean? So it's amazing for me to, you know, I try to be present in whatever I'm doing because, you know, the past is gone. It doesn't exist. And the future is not here yet. But what you do today is going to dictate your future, right? Yeah. And and the, the part that how I like to look at our past is our past is all the stepping stones that created us for who we are today. So if you think of pressure builds a diamond to shine, right? That was you pressuring up. All those years of past, that was the added pressure. That was all the debris. That was everything that crumpled up. And that pressure finally broke you into the diamond that you are shining now. And you needed all that pressure. You needed all that past BS to happen in your life. You needed all that trauma to build you up for the strength that you are to stand here today and to sit here today and to be the person that you are today. I know when I was a five-year-old kid, I thought 39 years old was pretty old. Now that I'm 39, I'm like, whew, I got like 40, 50 more to go. This is nothing, right? Like this isn't, and, and I think it's just a way of viewing what do you have to live for? And, and I think you have everything to live for. Our past created us to be the person we are today. So I, I like to say I live 37 years a way that I'm not proud of. 
but it also created me the be created me to be the man that's sitting here in front of you at this podcast. The one that's creating the platform that I'm creating. If I don't go through all the trauma, if I don't go through all the hardships, if I don't fall flat on my face from being at the highs of highs, if I don't have all this stuff happening, I don't have the strength to be here right now. Those lessons, I'm not going to forget them. But if they're not going to help me step forward in my life, they no longer serve me and I leave them. So I don't forget about it. I strengthen from it. Yeah, and I agree. Like for me, you know, whenever I do talk on your stage, which I'm so excited, my my topics are going to be, you know, today I decide my decisions choose uh, makes my future. And also um, I can I can help anybody struggling with anything in 30 days and 90 days. I can turn your life around guaranteed. But you have to be willing to go through the three pillars of forgiveness, you know, forgiving others that hurt you, you know, forgiving um, people, you know, asking forgiveness for people you've hurt. And most of all is forgiving yourself. And I think if you can do those three things, if you can, you know, go through the three pillars of forgiveness, also realizing that what you do today determines five years where you're going to be now, I think your whole world can change. So that's what I'm going to be talking about at your events. So please talk about a little bit what you got going on, your platform and your event. Yeah, no, I'd love to. So ultimately, uh, Platform's Life Balance Headquarters, and it's home to calming the chaos, uh, is kind of what we we do there. There's a membership there, and uh, what we're creating is a virtual platform to share uh, stories, transformational stories, and self-health and wealth. Um, I believe those are the three areas that I like to focus on, and I think they're huge. Today's world Imagine if we could eliminate money, like financial stress, right? Just imagine if you could eliminate financial stress, would it be easier for you to go after your health and self goals, right? And and the answer is probably yes. If you could maximize yourself and health, would it put you in a better position to then handle wealth better, right? And the answer is yes. When we start to tackle all three of those things together, we now are creating our best life. You're, you're, you're living in a moment, you're prepared. It's kind of like we were talking earlier, you become prepared for the chaos and the chaos comes in self-health and wealth. But if we're not knowledge and we don't have an awareness inside of those, I can tell you, I'm really good on the self, okay on the health, poor in the wealth, right? Mindset wise, just didn't have it. But that's somewhere where I'm focusing tremendous amount of time and surrounding myself with people that can teach me and bring me a comfort level because that was something I was scared to ask. Right. So for me, that's something that's super important. And I know I'm not alone out there on people that don't like to talk about finances because for some reason it's it's something that you just don't talk about. But the reality is, is the leaves, the the more we don't talk about it. The more people don't understand it and the more we stay in financial stresses. So um, having all that balance, but the virtual platform uh, that we're creating is so that we can do uh, virtual events, transformational events. We have one coming up in June. Uh, there'll be 25 transformational speakers from around the world, from Sweden to Perth uh, to 
you know, United Kingdom to Canada, US, it's kind of, it's everywhere right now. And it's so cool to have that connection. But what I'm really excited about, and when we talk about addiction, I'm addicted to perspective. Perspective has really changed my life. We can sit in the same room, me and you, Richard, we can listen to the same podcast, we can listen to the same speech, and we'll take a completely different side of it. Yeah. And there's no right and wrong to that. But now imagine you're looking to transform your life and you show up an event and one speaker connects with you just with one little tiny piece of their story. And then another speaker comes up half an hour later and ties another little piece to your story that's very relatable. And then two days later, somebody else comes and finishes and kind of wraps your whole story up between three stories. And now you see the belief within yourself that you can create a transformation in your life in whatever phase it is, self, health, and wealth. And maybe it's the whole thing. Because I can tell you, I needed a whole overhaul. And when I did my transformation, it was based on hearing somebody else's story that I was like, I can do this. That sounds so similar to mine. It's not the exact same story, but it sounds so similar. It gives you the stepping stones for your process. Right. And it allows you to step. So I'm generating an area where people can come and listen to stories on how we transform and what are the steps that we took to transform our lives? What are the steps you took, Richard, to transform your life? And, and, you know, I think we go through life transformations all through our journey. There's lots of transformations that are happening. It's just how drastic are they? Some people need major ones. Some people need minor ones. But the stories that come from people in perspective is really what hits us home and science has related story is one of the most impactful things for the human body that's how our brain reacts to things and uh to me i think that's one of the most powerful things podcasting events it's a way to get stories out so people can see that they can have the opportunity to change whether it's change their business change their health change their dieting change their finances you know, whatever they want to change in life, they have that ability now to jump on podcasts, to jump on these events. But I wanted to bring it so you have multiple stories happening at one time and you can kind of make a quick impact on somebody that's looking for that game-changing moment. Yep, and I think, you know, because like I'm reading a book right now called um, Talk Like Ted. It talks about TED Talks. And, and that, why TED Talks are so popular, you know, because 18 minutes of power you know, can change a person's life, you know, because they think that they say that's what the perfect speech is about 18, 20 minutes. And that, you know, that's why TED Talks are so popular. So uh, but first two things I want, you know, I'm I'm reading a book by Russell Brunson, you know, um, Expert Secrets. And he talks about the three most important things in life are health, wealth and relationships. Those are the top three. And if you're going to be successful in any of them, it's going to take work. You know, like health, you know, I was with GNC for 30 years. I always, like people that used to compete said, you know, I don't have a tight ass by sitting on it. You know, uh, I, I had somebody ask me or they said, you know, how come you never see Lamborghini commercials on TV? Because people that own Lamborghinis aren't watching TV, you know? Yeah. You know, and second of all, relationships, you know, uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes once told me, um, if you don't date your wife, another man will. So, you know, you have to work on those 
anything in life, if you're going to be successful, whether it's podcasting, whether it's your health, whether it's your relationships, you got to put in the reps. You got to work at it, right? Yeah, no, it's a thousand percent. And I think the only thing I would say is missing there is yourself, right? And if we don't have ourself, we can't give anything anywhere else. And, I love I, and I'll be honest with you. you. You can go to the toppest of the food chain to the wealthiest people in the world. Ask them how happy they are. They will tell you they could give two shits about the money. Because there's something else that's a huge void. And typically it's self-love. It's self-belief. It's, yeah, they did something well. And the rest of the world's oogling at it, in awe of it. But are they truly happy? And I think there's a big misconception of what people see in happiness. It, it starts right here. It starts internally. And when I say calm the chaos within... That's where I want to take you is let's be at peace within because it took me 37 years to even click in that that is something I needed to go do. That's what my grandmother was praying for. I needed to go within. I need to be at peace with me. I didn't need to go out and please anybody. I didn't need to go out and do anything for anybody outside of me. I just needed to make sure that I loved this guy and, and I was there for him and I was going to back him through falling flat on my face to rise into the top of the mountain. Right. And we got to be able to pick ourselves up and don't get me wrong, being around the right community and the right mentorship, the right leadership, it helps a tremendous amount to help pick us up. But if you don't have that internal belief yourself, it is really hard to go out and love somebody else. Right. I, I used to tell my wife all the time, I love you, babe. But I don't have 100% in because I, I haven't been able to find it within me. And I apologize to her. And I just said, be patient with me because I'm working on it. I can honestly say that I 100% love her. I love my children. I love everything about a lot of the people around me. Excuse me. But it didn't happen fully until I could turn within and be good with me. Be good with the mess that I had created that I now see as my past, I now learned my lesson and brought that lesson with me to build me up stronger. Or I realized that that lesson no longer serves me and I needed to step forward. One of those things that I can, I, I could say is like smoking, for instance, when I walked away from smoking two years ago, I just said, I'm going to quit smoking on this day. Seven days later, I walked away from it and never thought about it again. Doesn't serve my new life. Whereas it served me very well for 21 years. It got me out of the house. It got me out of situations. If I didn't like something, I could step outside for a smoke. If I wanted to, you know, like I could use it for an excuse in so many different ways. It served my life. But when I wanted to change and I wanted to become different, it no longer served me. So I had to leave it. I had to walk away from it. Alcohol, same thing. I walked away from it because it no longer served me. Then I tried to reintroduce it. My body doesn't like it anymore. So it was an easy kind of look at it going, it doesn't serve you anymore, Jay. 
and I step forward into something else that serves me now. And, and it all became down to just really being able to understand that part is what's actually serving you and helping you and having you, you said it and I'll tell you 10 X rules by Grant Cardone was one of the books that kicked me in the ass. Cause he flat out says in that book, own your shit. And I needed to hear that because I was putting a lot of stuff on other people. My parents splitting up this decision. My coach did this to me. My sister did that to me. My aunt did this to me. My uncle did that to me. My friend did this. You know, people did everything to me, but I wasn't looking at what I was doing to anybody else. I wasn't looking at, you know, anything outside of that. It was just excuses, excuses. When I had to turn in, and I'll tell you, I, I read a very soft book, more of a, a, a spiritual book. And it was the basis of that book was owning your own. And then I also kind of saw it from Grant Cardone, which was a very, I find him very blunt and real and aggressive in kind of that sense. And it was one that I needed. It was a kick in the butt. And I took that right to heart that day and was like, man, I got to start owning some of my own stuff. I got to stop blaming other people for where I'm sitting today. I got to stop leaning on other people when I'm fully capable of doing this stuff myself. Yep. And when I was able to do that and turn within and start appreciating me for me and what I was capable of and stop leaning on everybody else just because, I was then able to appreciate everybody around me again. I was able to fall in love with people around me again. I was able to, you know, that gratitude and just being grateful of being around and, and respectful of, of having people respect me. Well, I got to appreciate that more because I didn't have judgment towards them. I didn't have all this other stuff that was created up here. And I love it. Um, so, and guys, um, I I know there's a lot to unpack here, guys. So um, I hope you guys re-listen to this over and over again. Um, I And I'm so grateful for my brother. I can't wait for us to um, get together on that stage. But, you know, I'm so grateful that you guys are following my journey and you're allowing me to be part of your journey. Because like Oprah Winfrey said, the best way to help other, help ourselves is to help others. And that's what this whole podcast is about. It's all about paying it forward. I want to thank our sponsors, Vertical Momentum Coffee. Guys, if you love coffee with it, that will kick your ass, definitely pick up Vertical Momentum Coffee. And also, um, I just want to say thank you for OVF. Guys, if you, want to, if you want to become successful in business, they will teach you how to do that. And, brother, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I'm grateful for your friendship. And I'm grateful that you allow me to be in your inner circle. I appreciate you having me on here. And uh, it's so excited about what the future has and, and the, the new habits that I'm creating, because this is a fun life, being able to speak my passion into the world and just say that we can change and we can be better if we want it. And I know to anybody out there listening, Life's shitty sometimes, and it can be really dark, and it can be really lonely. But I want you to know, people like Richard, people like myself, and anybody else that you're hearing out here, reach out. Throw that dart out and connect to people, because 
you never know who's going to answer that phone and who's really going to be there for you. And you'll be shocked. There's a lot of people that are actually there for you. And it took me a lot of courage to be able to reach out to some people out there. But with a surprise, they don't need to know you to love you and support you. I love it. So, guys, remember, today I decide your decisions that you make today is going to determine your future. Guys, remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and we will get back to you personally. Love you guys. Have an amazing Easter. Enjoy yourself, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.